0: You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Nicholas Boothman, who is the author of one of the books that really changed my life when I was in high school and got me interested in the psychology of interpersonal communication. It's called How to Make People Like You in 90 Seconds or Less. has sold over 3 million copies, translated into 30 plus languages. Really excited and interested to talk to him today about ideas from that book and also from his new book, Story Speak, which is about how businesses and people can develop the skill of speaking in stories let's jump into this here nick thanks so much for being here my pleasure to meet you
1: my qualifications apart from what i've written are that the total age of my children is 216 so i've got 216 years of parenting experience they're all useful they all they all got amazing jobs all over the world seriously good jobs and we raised hers mine and ours which is, we raised all of them, but hers from her first marriage, my wife's from her first marriage, mine from my first marriage, and ours together, we raised all of them, which also is, is, is special. So that, that's my experience in parenting. So I've been through a lot of teenage years and my grandchildren are now in their teens. So I've got generations that I, we can look at the various generations of teen and see how they have developed to where they are now. And the changes, as you know, are massive. And also, uh, my experience is also the European experience and the North American experience and the British experience, all of which are different. Uh, we commute to Portugal and we, I have grandchildren in Portugal who are raised very differently there than children in North America. In fact, my 10-year-old grandson, who's quite small, for the last two years has been training to be a bullfighter. Wow. So that would render my uh, daughter in prison if she was in North America for doing that. But he loves it. I mean, you can't stop it. It's his choice. And he's brilliant. He's very, very clever and very, very smart. So I've got a lot of perspective along a lot of things. But the North American concept that you are your kids' friends is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. You know, you're there for them. You're there to guide them. You're there to do stuff for them. And you love them and you'll die for them. You're a friend, give me a break. We're wearing the same clothes, give me a break. <laughs> or you're called Junior the Third, give me a break. You know, I think your job in your job as a parent is to produce a, a a productive member of society who is resourceful. And, uh, and you know, the philosophy that Wendy, my wife, and I have had is basically it's roots and wings, you know. You're 14, you're now a consequential thinker, you're now on the edge of the nest, I'll kick you up the arts and start flapping, you know, because you've got to make, make something of your life. And not in a nasty way, in a great fun way. I have so many people I hear from these younger generations that oh, my job in life is to make sure my kid never has a bad day. talk to thousands of people all the time i just did a three-day workshop now i've just come off it this weekend and they're there they're everywhere talking about their kids like their kids are you know here's the news for you we live in a generation where we have one and a half generations of soft decadent overprotected over photographed and uninspired children and it's not their fault but they've been told that they're special well you're not special not yeah. you're special until you leave home then nobody gives two hoots about you Yeah, okay. It's the same way when I wrote my love book. i make someone fall in love with you in 90 minutes or less. To write that book, we looked at 2,400 couples who've been together for more than 20 years and were still actively crazy about each other, and 300 people who consistently messed up in relationships. All my books are based on modeling excellence in other people, okay? Because I learned writing my love book, and it's the same with what we're talking about now. There is so much terrible advice out there. There is so much crappy advice about love about raising children. People giving advice, boys, children are a bunch of wankers, okay, who cannot work, and cannot find a job. All my kids have found work since they were old enough to work. They all found it, we've never given them anything except an upbringing. And they've done it on their own. They've paid their way through university, they did everything. We're there for them, we love them, and they know that. And they love each other, because they're hers, mine, and ours. But none of this, you know, I'm your best friend, you know, c- crazy. It wouldn't. It would never work. It, too many broken hearts when you're trying to be each other's friends. Right.
0: I mean, there must have been something that you instilled in them, obviously, that set them up to be so successful when they did get out on their own. Like, was there anything specific that you did to try to teach them?
1: They had gap years. They did gap years. Best thing you can give a kid is a gap year. I mean, the, you know what a gap year is? No. Oh, okay, well, let me tell you. I'll let me take my youngest, Pippa, for example. Pippa is now 35, and now lives in Paris, and, uh, and travels all over the world. I mean, she was in Denver last week, she was in Berlin three days ago, she's in Oslo now, she's in... Um, a gap year happens between leaving school and going to university. Sure. Basically, it takes a year of preparation, but they choose a country, and we help them. Pippa decided to go to Australia for a year. The deal is, we pay for the ticket, they go there and we find them somewhere to sleep for two weeks then they're on their own they have to support themselves <laughs> well of course why not and then and so pippa chose um australia sydney we bought the ticket and got her down there found found somewhere the, in fact the house of uh, the daughter of a friend of ours who we knew growing up is now was then had uh, moved there and lived there with her family pippa slept on the sofa there for two weeks and then left there which was the deal, and found uh, got, while she was there she got a job filing in a doctor's office. Then she found her own apartment and at one point phoned us in tears saying, I worked. I found an apartment, I have um, just paid first and last month's rent, I've been in there and it's full of cockroaches, I can't sleep there. And she was crying and she was very, very upset because it basically lost all, all her money. I said, Pippa, you know the deal, I'll bring you home now, we sort it out. Which was really, really hard as a parent for both Wendy and I. Awful! But, you know, that's the deal. You give up, we bring you home. And you know what? Nothing. Three agonizing days. On the fourth day, she phones. And, you won't believe it. I met this couple. They run a cell phone store. I'm running. I'm selling cell phones at this store on Bondi Beach. They're amazing. I'm staying in the spare room of their apartment. Everything's great. And blah, 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 blah. She spent the whole time there. Got other jobs. Did really well. Came back. And she, she left a girl and came back a woman. You know, resourceful. It's about being resourceful. And the truth is that is something that parents at all costs attempt to avoid is the fact that desperation is the mightiest driver of all. If your kid can experience that, right, I'm sitting on the doorstep and so I've got nothing, what am I going to do? You can get through that. You can do anything in life. I mean, maybe it's happened to you. I don't know. Maybe it happened to your brother. Maybe, but it, it doesn't happen a lot. I mean, what happened with people was a bit extreme, but all my kids did a gap year, and part of the is the planning. So fine, well, you know, you, what, how do you, how, what do you need to get there? And by now they realize, well, you know, you need a visa, uh, you need to get uh, shot, you need a passport, you need all this stuff. They have to sort that out for themselves too, instead of having their parents do it for them, well they learn nothing, and they're just bloody useless afterwards. You can talk about what you want in their talk and whether the kids get about being pregnant or driving drunk or whatever, but if they're not resourceful, at that state, well, you really have to do something about it. You know, if your kids are bozo, I'm not saying my kids are well-behaved, not, they're crazy, they're wild, they're, they can party hard and work hard. <laughs>
0: you know,
1: but, but no, I really think this is what kids need. Slowly over the generations, this has been taken away by, by parents uh, who, For the large part, I have no people skills either. um, Who've pampered their kids and and brought up a bunch of kids who are really good at when someone points their cell phone at them at posing without being asked uh, and then completely unresourceful. And they're lovely kids, it's not their
0: fault. I think there's a fear, uh, especially in middle class families, that my kids are going to get behind or that if I let them struggle too much that they're going to fall behind other kids who who don't do that right and i mean you kind of glossed over it but that moment where your daughter is calling you in tears like the, the natural reaction as a parent is empathy is i want to help you know and i think you make the right choice which is you force her to deal with it on her own but for some reason that's really hard for parents to do of course it's hard i'm okay but i'm really interested in that conversation Right? Especially given your specialty in communication and stuff like that. I wonder if we could dissect that a little bit. The conversation with your daughter when she's really struggling, there must be a balance there between, you know, empathizing with her and like loving her, right? And supporting her, but at the same time saying you're on your own. You no, know? oh, no, I didn't say What I
1: said was, you know, the, I'll bring you home right now. You'll be fine. I see. I'll, right. I didn't put you on the plane and bring you home now, but it's over. Yeah. You know, you're not going back. So it's up to you. And that's life, really. You know, you can, you can give up and, and you'll be safe. I'll I'll catch you. Or you can go on. It's your choice. When my oldest daughter, Joanna, went to university to study industrial design, there were nights she phoned in tears saying, I'm going crazy. I can't take it anymore. And they said, fine, we well, to you know, pack it in, pack it in, give up and go and do something else. Well, think about it if I was you. Call me in tomorrow or call me the day after. And it was always, oh, and I felt so bad last night, you know. But I didn't say there, 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 there. And it's not Look, it's it's, believe me, it's my wife is a lot better at this than I am. Uh, (laughs) But we're both pretty practical people. Well, we're we're very emotional people, but you know, you're raising a a splendid creature. Well, like I said before, at 14, they're consequential thinkers. You don't need to tell them, if you get drunk and drive, you'll crash. You don't need to tell them that. You're gonna say, look, what are you gonna do about it if you get pissed? What are you going to do? Are you going to call key, keys or us or cars or us and get a, oh, get a cab on? Because that's what I want to know, you know, if they're going shagging and, and, and don't say, did you, did you have sex last night? What are they going to say? They're going to say, no, I don't know. What are they going to say? <laughs> uh, Richard Branson has a story of what his mother did when he was five years old. He was making such a, you know, the story of his mother kicking him out of the car and saying, find your own way home. But basically, he was in the car, and his mother was fed up with him, and she said, you know, get out of the car and you find your own way home, and he did, and he attributes that to his ability to basically do anything. We haven't done exactly that with our kids, but plenty of times, well, because we live on a farm, but Look, we know they're going to say, oh, but they think we're going to get them. I'm not going to get you. Figure it out for yourself. And it, that's not a bad thing to do with a kid. That's a good thing to do for a kid. It makes them resourceful, and it also makes them responsible they think, oh, well, next time they're not going to go and bail me out. I better figure that work this one out a little bit better. Because this at twelve or thirteen, the kids are a bit nuts. They're a bit nuts all through their teens. They are definitely nuts through their teens, but they are smart as hell, and they're great storytellers. They can light fly like crazy. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, uh, teenagers do tell the most lies and are the most proficient liars, according to a couple different studies.
1: Five and four and
0: five-year-olds are pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. She sure. stole
1: my thing. No, you didn't, actually.
0: <laughs> I see it right there in your hand, yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a thing in one of my books where one of the things we did for the kids was, for one year... On the first Tuesday of every month, we visited a different country for for dinner uh, every month for a year. And what we actually did was that we would choose a country and then we'd say, fine, Wendy and I will research the, the food of that country and cook it. And you guys will go and research the country. One would do tourism, one would do industry, one would do weather, I don't know, whatever. And then when we had the meal, each kid had to stand up between the course and for about three or four minutes give a little talk. And um, in the beginning, they were nervous and shy, but, but after about you know, two months, they learned how to do research. In fact, I remember once getting a phone call from a guy saying, can I speak to Sandy? Sandy was, I think, 10 at the time. I said, who is this? It's the Mexican consulate. She uh, phoned asking for some, for some information and I, did, I don't have the address. I wanted to send it to her. Well, you know, do you think that it helped our kids in their life growing up after when five of them can stand up at the drop of a hat and improvise a speech anywhere, of course it helped them. Absolutely. Yeah. It helped them when they were stuck in Sydney, in, Sydney in Australia, and they knew they, could, they knew how to get up and walk into someone and start talking to people about what they need. Of course it helped them. But I mean, that's more yeah. use than trying to make sure your kid doesn't have a bad day. Teach them how to, be, to speak in public. It's the, it's the number one identifiable predictor of success, the ability to speak up and say something important or not something that matters.
0: Right and it's also the number one fear that people list when they list fear. Yeah, it's
1: the number one fear until someone's standing in front of you with a with a machete in your face. Yeah, exactly.
0: Can we talk a little more about your new book? I really want to Definitely. recommend it to people. You mentioned that this is a good thing to teach kids how to be rack on tours. What are some things that we could do with our teenagers or to kinda of help them develop these skills, you think?
1: Well, first of all, I say that to about all of my books, to parents who say, how can I get my kid? Leave it lying around at home. Don't tell them to read it, just leave it there, and you'll see it's moved the next day. All right, whatever you do, <laughs> whatever you do don't say, read this, because they'll say, sure, and they won't read it. All right, leave it lying around. I've spoken about story speaking in my other books. In fact, I put somewhere on it, and this is absolutely true. It's a proven fact that story speakers earn more, outperform, do better in school and college, get hired and promoted faster and get better service in person and over the phone than fact speakers. And um, so this book tells you, A, how to become interesting um, by using the senses in what you're saying, what, for what you see, hear, feel, smell and taste, so you can actually capture other people's imagination. The imagination is the strongest power that anybody possesses. Napoleon Bonaparte said, imagination rules the world. And it does, if you can capture someone's imagination, you can do anything with them. And this will show you how to capture other people's imaginations. Imagination is the strongest power we possess. That, that's, it's stronger than real power. That's why diets don't work. So if you can catch your kid's imagination, instead of telling them facts and figures, you'll capture their hearts as well. It shows you how to make images that you can insert in someone's head that they can't shake loose and they'll remember. Warren Buffett is probably one of the best people at this in the, in the, in the States, and he knows it. He puts what I call icolas, little icola images It's in the book, how to do it, and, for example, when he was asked how he feels about his job, he said, I tap dance to work. That's an icola. That's sticking an image in someone's head. He could have given them 15 pages of description how he feels about his job, or he just told them what it does for him. Right. The number one identifiable predictor of success after 20 years of looking was the ability to speak up called social extroversion. That was done, at, uh, uh, some research done at Stanford University. Once you've spoken up, well, the great truth about face-to-face communication uh, is that you're a genius until you open your mouth. So uh, you know these kids have to learn what that something must come out of their mouth which is useful. And look, you know, the like, kids are great. They're better, they're greater today than they've ever been. They're just getting messed up um, by parents who don't know how to raise productive kids. The book is also uh, it will tell you how to tell stories that have a point. I just used the story of Pippa to you to illustrate the fact that a kid needs independence and can triumph through it instead of telling you yeah. instead of telling you oh yeah. I told you a little story. Uh, Parents can tell their kids little stories will make much better, do much more for the kid than telling them not to go out and get screwed or get pregnant. They they say, I just heard this incredible story today about this girl who went out and door, and just distance it. And and instead of you telling the kid what to do, you're just telling the story about someone else, which they will remember, and they can form their own opinions of. Storytelling, story story speaking in raising children is, Utterly fundamental. When I did this this teaching course in in exactly uh, local here this weekend, and it's called uh, Speak and Get Paid. Um, these people wanted to be uh, professional speakers, and I taught them how to do it in, in different ways, techniques, all of it are in the book. And but the moment they mastered how to tell a short story, I want to go a point story, a story to, to illustrate a point, and not, not just a, a yarn. The panel, and the panel was a, it was a big time panel. We had the Vice President of the National Speakers Bureau in Chicago there. The moment they launched into a, into a point story, you could see the panel lean forward, and time started to stand still. Because stories are to the human mind what food is to the body. It's all stories, everything in our life, from the moment we wake up in the morning for listening to the news, or the, the weather report is a story. This is what's going to happen today. And here's the middle and here's the end. You know, TV shows, it's a story. A book is a story. You get into the, the, the office and you're standing around the water cooler and someone's telling you what they did last night. It's a story. The rest yeah. is work in between. We live in between stories. That's it. And, and our kids can all, my kids can all, and my wife and all of our friends that we hang out with. They tell fantastic stories. All the time, it's like the pub in England. You go down to the pub in England, what are you going to hear? You're going to hear hundred guys telling stories. They may be big yards, or you know the fish wasn't that big. It was that big, you know, bull. But they're all telling stories. That's what you do. What do you do in a pub? You have a beer, a bit of cheese, and a story. That's why you go to the pub. (laughs) It's true. You go down to the pub. What for? A beer, a pie and a story.
0: You know, to me, one of the, we were talking about the role of parents is not to be a friend. It's, you know, what is it? I mean, to me, a lot of it has to do with values and imparting values to your children that they can then take with them when they're out on their own. And I think you clearly have a really strong value of self-sufficiency that it sounds like you've really worked hard to impart. The stuff with the different countries and sending them on gap years around the world, right, there's something about a worldliness that seems like is a value that you've imparted.
1: Imparted is the word. We don't teach them values. We live values. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, the only things I would say to the, the boys is you stand up when an adult comes in the room. You're polite. And I'm, I'm very happy that my kids have style, which I think is hugely overlooked. They're stylish kids. And in this book I'm just doing now, I think you have seen a copy. Yeah. Right at the beginning, I talk about... in my my acknowledgement, it is to, wait, I'm going to read it to you. The story speakers everywhere, but it means for raconteurs everywhere. uh, Stanley Thomas, Kate, Johanna, Pippermont, they're raconteurs. They can talk to anybody and make it sound interesting. Mm. They can talk about anything. And I think that's important too, that you teach your kids how to be a raconteur. A lot of people don't know what a raconteur is. A French word, a raconteur is somebody who can make anything sound interesting. That you, yeah. they can tell you they can make it sound interesting from parking their car in the parking lot of the supermarket to getting into the supermarket they'll say, you won't believe what happened in the parking lot I could not believe what happened they make things sound interesting that's a great skill to teach a kid how to be a raconteur how to make yeah. talk and make things sound interesting these are simple things and so we, we don't tell our kids nobody is going to tell a kid uh, don't drink and drive," because they know all you don't tell me. It's like there's not a single person in this world who needs to be told how to lose weight. They know. They just don't do it. Okay. But we have high standards. My wife has very high standards, uh, which I admire and have rubbed off on me. Our children live with them. We didn't have to give them those values. They live those values. In fact, they're more likely to tell me what to do these days, or not just these days, but the last, you know, 30 years. Dad, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. But, um, and I don't mean that in a, in a smart-ass way, but. Sure. Look, when our grandchildren came over from Portugal, now they thought, great, because they, because they came over with their parents, then they were left here for three weeks, they thought, great. for once they can have their iPhones and their pads in bed, not a chance. You hand them in before you go to bed. And they're fine. You're not, you're not having that thing going whilst you're trying to sleep they never slept so well in their lives. And they didn't argue either. You put your phone down here or she you go sleep in the
0: garden. You know, there's a lot of research that kids today are are like sleeping with these things under their pillow, right? I mean, they're taking the phones to bed with them and even just the light from the screen delays melatonin production for hours, is terrible for the sleep cycle, right? Like, not to mention the intrusion of these devices into our lives, right? And um
1: and not to mention the dumbing down of the imagination. You know, if you went to bed when I was a kid, occasionally I could listen to a a, a play on the radio, a drama, a radio drama, thing, which is great for the imagination.
0: Uh, this has been so much fun, and uh, well, thank you.
1: It was nice to meet okay. you.
0: Absolutely, yes, yes. Okay. No, 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 no. All right. Have a wonderful afternoon. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Talking to Teens podcast. If you have any questions or just want to connect, you can always reach me by email, Andy at talkingtoteens.com. We'll see you next time.